Today on Keep Classical Weird, it's a close-up look at a giant of the violin world and an itty-bitty piece of his. Stay tuned. Welcome, friends, to episode 56 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we're doing a story time of sorts. It begins in July of 1858 in Belgium with the birth of Eugene Isaïe. Isaïe was born into a musical family, though they weren't particularly well off. In fact, in order to make ends meet around the house, he was playing full-time in two local orchestras by the time he was a teenager. This got him temporarily kicked out of school. Which makes sense. After all, when are you going to find the time to practice? But he managed to continue on with his studies eventually and rack up quite a reputation among his teachers and peers. One of his more famous teachers was the Belgian violinist and composer... Henri Vuitton, who reportedly happened to hear him one day while passing by a cellar where Isaïe was practicing, and was so enchanted by his sound that he immediately arranged to have him study with him. You'll find no shortage of these beautiful and flowery descriptions of Isaïe's sound on the violin, and there's actually a reason for it. Isaïe was part of the first few generations of violinists to learn a technique with the modern tourte bow. So let's go on a bit of a bow history exploration here. As far as the violin itself goes, the body of the instrument remains largely unchanged since its invention in the 16th century, but the bow has gone through a massive overhaul. Picture a bow like in a bow and arrow. If you hold it up in front of you with the hair pointing to the ground, the bow is shaped in a convex shape like a rainbow. The wood of the bow evolved to be a less dramatic curve, and Baroque-era bows looked like more of a straight line across. Then came bowmaker François Tort. Tort, along with violinist Viotti, made some dramatic changes to the bow in the late 1700s. He made them a little bit longer, so there was just more to use, and changed the setup so that the bow hair was fashioned in a flat ribbon shape, and it wouldn't get tangled thereby allowing the maximum amount of surface area to drag across the strings at one time. But arguably, the most important change was with the angle of the wood. Tort inverted the curve to a concave curve and put a screw in the end of the bow so the performer had complete control over the tension of the bow hair at all times. This allowed violinists to access different sounds with the bow through actual bow pressure, controlled by the fingers, forearm, or actual weight of the arm, and often a combination of all of these things. This changed everything. Various schools of thought broke out on how best to use this new bow that was more versatile and allowed for a much more nuanced sound on the instrument. The German school of bowing, 
focused on the small motions of the wrist and fingers. The Russian school of bowing emphasized the whole arm. And the Franco-Belgian school of bowing, that's Isai's school, focused in on the forearm, drawing the entire length of the bow across the string with a fluid motion and no jerky starts and stops. Modern violinists now learn about all these different techniques and use them when appropriate, but at the time, they all created their own unique sounds with the bow. Isai's education with this new torte bow, plus his outreach and activism, had a far-reaching influence on the Franco-Belgian violin repertoire at the turn of the 20th century. He was an international performer and won the attention of several prominent composers who wrote works that they dedicated to him. César Franck wrote one of his most famous works, his violin sonata in A, for Isai's wedding. It makes sense, the romance and passion captured in that should be used for more weddings. But I digress. Because as memorable and brilliant of a performer that Isai was, he was also a fantastic composer. Isai wrote several works for violin and piano, piano trio, string quartet, orchestra, string concertos, and even an opera with a libretto and a language spoken by less than one million people worldwide. That's for another episode. Some of his best-known works, however, have become staples in the solo violin repertoire. He took Bach's collection of compositions for the unaccompanied violin, that would be his six solo sonatas and partitas, and composed something similar, almost as an homage. In fact, one of the sonatas that he composed goes beyond homage and into downright quoting, and that's the itty-bitty piece we're focusing on today. So, let's start with the original composition that Isai quoted from. This is the first movement of Bach's E Major Partita, performed a few years ago in a live recital by yours truly. the beginning that sets up how insanely bright and happy this whole thing is going to be, that's the inspiration we're listening to today. So let's listen one more time. Now, Isai's second violin sonata starts out with a movement called Obsession. That's quite a heavy title, and there's a lot of meaning to it. Some interpret this as a little bit more than just a love of Bach's composition, Obsession implies something of a more ravenous or even sinister nature. You'll hear the exact same beginning of this sonata as you did in the last one, followed by something rather different. It's quite a jarring turn this piece takes from the beginning, it's true. Lots of violinists, myself included, recognize some dark humor within this as well. It's almost as if, after playing the opening as something a tiny bit less than perfect, we throw a musical temper tantrum. 
there's another piece of this composition as well. And that's the repetitive and relentless quoting of the Dies Irae, the Day of Wrath. We talked about this in our Symphony Fantastique episode. That's way back on episode three of this whole podcast. So let's hear the excerpt from the tubas and bassoons to refresh our memories. Now that you've gotten that in your head, here's a larger section of obsession, where he manages to hide that theme in the texture a few times. See if you can catch it. in finding out more about Eugene Isai, it would probably help to know how to spell his name. That's Y-S-A-Y with an umlaut, E. Or if you prefer, you can try Googling him under his very apt nickname, The King of Violin. our show for today. Our theme music is composed by Not Dead composer Thomas Barber. Check out his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird. Stay weird.